Don't worry. Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. Do you know what? Dane and, Dane and I were talking because um, one, one of our favorite teaching pastors, his name is Stephen Furtick. I don't know if any of you have, have heard Stephen Furtick, but um, there's, there's this thing that he does where he's like, he, he'll say something totally of the Holy Spirit and people will just be all like, yeah? And he's like, Somebody better say amen right now, okay? If you don't say amen, I'm going to say amen to myself. Amen, Stephen, right? And, and so, and so here, here's, here's what I want to ask of you, because I'm about to preach on a very touchy subject. <laughs> say amen, okay? If there's something you identify with, say amen. If there's something where I totally botch it, say, Zach, you stink, Right? Later, after service, in private, not in front of anyone. (laughs) Matthew chapter 5, verse 27. You have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to, to you that whoever looks at a woman to lust after her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, pluck it out and cast it from you. For it is more profitable for you that one of your members perish than for your whole body to be cast in hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and cast it from you. For it is more profitable for you that one of your members perish than for your whole body to be cast into hell. Furthermore, it has been said, whoever divorces his wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce. But I say to you that whoever divorces his wife for any reason except sexual immorality causes her to commit adultery. And whoever marries a woman who is divorced commits adultery. Again, you have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not swear falsely, but shall perform your oaths to the Lord. But I say to you, do not swear at all, neither by heaven, for it is God's throne, nor by earth, for it is his footstool, nor by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. Nor shall you swear by your head, because you cannot make one hair white or black. But let your yes be yes, and your no be no, for whatever is more than these is from the evil one. This is God's word. Let's pray. Lord, we love you, God, and and we're just so excited to get in your word, Lord. I just pray, God, that I would just disappear and, and, and you would be here teaching Jesus. Father, may everything that's spoken be of you tonight. Give us ears to hear and hearts to receive your wonderful word. We love you, Jesus, and it is in your precious name that all God's people said. There's the amens right on. We learned last week, well, not last week, last time I taught, Micah taught last week, we, 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 learned, that, we learned about anger and lust. And we, we learned how anger and lust really are, are the epitome of selfishness. We learned that selfishness and pride manifest itself in either anger or lust. Because anger towards someone is saying that you have disturbed my kingdom in some way. You have disturbed my kingdom. My own personal bubble, the the way I live, my lifestyle, you have disturbed that, therefore I want you to be harmed. That's anger. And then you have lust, which is you have something that I want for my kingdom and I will hurt you in order to get to it. That's lust. And we we learned that also prior, that that, that in this whole time during the Sermon on the Mount, that that Jesus is really trying to get back to the heart of the law, that, that Jesus looks at the heart always. You see, because the Pharisees and the religious leaders, they were saying, sure, I hate my brother, but at least I'm not killing him, right? 
At least I have disdain for him, but, but it's not like I murdered him or anything. Or, or well, yeah, you know, I, I, I talked to her in the workplace. We flirt. You know, there was that one time that, you know, we had a conversation in private. It got, it got a little intimate, but, but at least I'm not sleeping with her. And, and Jesus is saying, no, 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 no. The purpose of the law is not for salvation. Meaning, meaning that, that if you break the law, you're, you're just as bad as you were before. Okay, so, so what, what the law does, it, it, it levels the playing field. The law was never, ever, even before Jesus, ever meant for salvation. The Ten Commandments, never meant for salvation. It was always meant to point to the moral character of God. And so when God came, they would know what he looks like. That was the purpose of the law. To show us God's moral character, then when he came in flesh and dwelt with man, that we would identify what God looks like. And we'd be able to follow him. This was the purpose of the law. And so Jesus now is getting back to the purpose. And here we get to the point of marriage. Now, I am young. Am I not? I am not married. So I am not going to preach to you on how to have uh, like the five points for a successful marriage. Right? (laughs) What credibility would I have? I, I, I'm not going to preach to you on what makes a good marriage, what makes a bad marriage, little, little tips for husbands, tips for wives. I may throw in a little app, practical application here and there, but, but I want to get something clear. The entirety of the Bible is about Jesus, not about us, even when it talks about us. And so we see here Jesus making marriage a very big deal, promises in specific. And, and so to give you guys some context, I'm, I'm actually going to tell you why marriage is such a big deal. Because Christians, you know, whether, whether you're a Christian or not a Christian, you know, we can all agree that kind of the Christian community holds marriage in a very high esteem, does it not? Uh, you know, I'm, I'm 19 and my, my group of friends, all of us, like our dream is to get married. And that's weird because I, you know, I, you go to my college and that's not usually the dream of most kids my age, right? Oh, I just want to get married and have kids and that's it. You know, <laughs> like my life would be complete, right? And, 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 and then we see, you know, why, why do people advocate so much for uh, traditional marriage? Why does that happen? Why, why do we esteem marriage so high? What, why is marriage such a big deal? And I will tell you, if you let me nerd out on you really quick in Hebrew tradition, if that's okay. I know a couple of um, uh, the people that were from my college group last year already know this, and they know what I'm about to preach. And, and you guys hear me preach every time on communion, right? You know, God's proposing you and all that stuff. You guys, <laughs> you're used to that by now. I'm going to tell you the whole story. Okay. I want you to picture a young Hebrew man, right? He's walking along. He's walking along and then he, he just sees, he sees a fine looking woman of God. Just, he's just like, oh man, oh man, look at the way she reads her Bible. Woo! Right? He's like, oh doggy, look at that. Hey girl, look at those curves you have in your Bible. 
Woo! That's what that's what that's what a Christian man's looking for. He's like, man, look look at how much she loves the Lord. Woo! And she's beautiful. And so so a Hebrew male, he 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 sees he sees this. He 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 sees this wonderful, beautiful woman. And so he takes certain steps to marry her. He said he first he goes to his father. He goes to his father and he says, Dad, need look at need I say more? And he's like, You have my blessing. And so that's what, that's what would happen. He, he would go to his father. He'd say, Dad, this is the one. Do I have your permission? The father would say, yes. And so then what would happen is that he would go then to her father. And he would say, he would say this, what is the price for me to ask your daughter to marry me? Okay, now, now don't get this mistaken. He was not asking, what's the price for your daughter? Okay. He was asking, what is the price to get the chance to ask for your daughter? What is the price for her? And so, he, so him and the father would negotiate. Her father and him, they would sit down, they negotiate, okay, uh, eight camels. My, my, my daughter's worth eight camels, right? And he'd be like, okay, I got, I got a half a camel, right? <laughs> can barely get up the Camarillo grade, Okay, but, but I, I will work as much as I can to get those eight camels. And so he works and he works, and, and he finally attains the price that, he, that the father seems fit for his daughter. And so when he pays the father, that's when he gets the opportunity to start courting her. He starts courting her. And then what happens is that the, the two families get together, the 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 woman's family and the, and the, and the guy's family, they, they would all get together for this big meal. And then what would happen is the man would pour a cup of wine and he'd slide it across the table and he'd say, this is my covenant, take and drink of it. And it was at that point where the woman could say, could drink it or could, <laughs> no, you stank. <laughs> just, just, Set it aside. But if she drank it, she was saying, I do. I do. And so at that point, if she said, I do, everyone rejoices. Everyone, you know, continues with the feast. And, and then after the feast, this is what the man says to his woman. His now betrothed. Okay. He says, I'm going to leave to my father's house. Where there are many mansions. And I'm going to prepare a place for you. Now, remember, this, this is Hebrew tradition, engagement tradition. He says, I'm going to go to my father's house where there are many mansions, meaning rooms. <laughs> don't, don't get all excited. Many rooms. I'm going to go and prepare a place for you. And we're not going to see each other for a while. But I'm going to send my best man, my helper. And the word for best man, actually, is parakletos, helper. The same word that Jesus uses for his Holy Spirit. So, so here, here's what happens. He says, I'm going to send my best man, my witness. I'm going to send my best man, and he's going to be relaying messages between the two of us while I prepare my place. And when the woman, when the mo- woman was waiting for her, her, her husband-to-be, she, would, she wouldn't know the time or the hour that her husband would come for her. She would just be waiting. And what, what the best man, the helper, what he would do, he would relay messages back and forth. And he would say, hey, hey, uh, your, your groom-to-be says that you should start preparing in this manner. 
for the wedding or for the marriage. And so, and so she would be preparing herself. He would be preparing a place for her. And, and she was no longer called by her name. She was referred to as one who was bought with a price. Betrothed. And so, she had no idea when he was coming. She had no idea when her groom-to-be would, would come. She would just be waiting in anticipation to when her man was finally going to come. And do you know what? The groom didn't even know when he was going to come. He was preparing a place, and the only time that he would know is when the father said, okay, it's finished. You're done preparing. Go get her. And so, so that's when, that's when the groom, the groom-to-be, that's when he would get his entire posse together. They would all come into town, depending on how, how wealthy they were at the time, with instruments, trumpets. They would come into town and with their, with their shofars playing and, and trumpets sounding, and he would swoop his bride off of, his, off of her feet. And they would go, and they would have the marriage ceremony. And then they would have a huge feast that lasted for seven days. And they lived happily ever after. You guys seeing the parallels here? You see, you see, Jesus, Jesus says, Father, I, I want them. I want them. I want the church. I want those people. As dirty as they are, I want them. The Father says, Go for it. Go get them. And that's that's when he comes and he pays the price for whatever his bride is worth. And to Jesus. We are worth his life. Our price is God's, is Jesus' cross. And so he shed his blood to pay that price. And, and before he shed that blood, what did he do at the Last Supper with his disciples? He poured a cup of wine and he said, This is my covenant. Take and drink of it. Jesus then pays the price for the opportunity to be with us. And when we say, I do, this is what Jesus says, and the disciples, they said, I do, Lord, I do, I do. And he says, we're not going to see each other for a while. I'm going to go to my father's house where there are many mansions. I'm going to prepare a place for you. But I'm going to send my helper, my Holy Spirit, and he will relay messages back and forth. And, and he will tell you, and he will lead you in all truth, is what is said. And then we see in Revelation that Jesus comes back with what? Trumpets. Trumpets coming back. Sweeping his bride off of his feet. Off of her feet. I keep saying that. Sweeping his bride off of her feet. Up to heaven. Where there is the marriage supper of the Lamb. The gospel is one gigantic marriage. Why is marriage so important? It's because it's a symbol of the gospel. In Ephesians 5, 25, it says, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her. We see that Jesus wanted us. Jesus saw us were dying for. He gave up everything in order to see us with him. This is marriage. And this is true love. It's in John 15, 13, it says, Greater love has no man than this, than to lay down his life for his friends. 
We see here that love is all about promises that are kept. This is love. We see that love is about sacrifice. Love is about commitment. It's not about a feeling. We see in verse 27, you have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that whoever looks at a woman to lust after her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. We talked about this last time, how selfishness manifests itself in anger and lust. And selfishness, self-centeredness, pride is the antithesis of love. Pride is the antithesis of love. It is the exact opposite. The more pride you have, the more self-love you have, the more love you have for yourself, the less love you're going to have for others. We hear people saying all the time, I can't, I can't love anyone else until I first love myself. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. I can't love others unless I first experience the love of God. That is it. Because both require that you forget about yourself. True love manifests itself in self-sacrifice. Self-sacrifice. Our culture has fed us the lie that attraction, passion, lust, and physical favors are key components of love. Our love today is so shallow that we just break up with people when they start to bother us. This is how shallow our love is. Our, our, our love is so shallow that we can fall out of it. Ever hear someone say that? We just fell out of love. No, no. You don't fall out of love. You stop loving. You don't fall out of love. You stop loving people. Love is a choice, not a feeling. Have you ever heard this? I swear to God, I'll never do that to you. Right? Have you ever heard that? I swear to God, I'll never do that to you. I swear to God, I'll never, I'll never hurt you. Because my love for you is like an ocean. <laughs> Endless and full of mystery. <laughs> right? Have you, have, you ever, have you ever heard that? We, we see how shallow our love is because we have to depend on other things to give us credibility. I swear to God that I love you. We're going to learn about that. I got ahead of myself. You see, our love is so shallow today that, that, that we, we depend on feelings and other people to sustain our relationships. Or, or, or we depend on an activity or something in common to keep us together. Oh, we just don't have anything in common anymore. What about Jesus? You know, it, it, I, I, I really do. You know, I'm not married, but Jesus keeps that together. Our love today is shallow. And that's how, and, and you know what? It's nothing new. You know, I, I, I get a lot of people telling me, your generation, they have it. They have it. It's the worst that it's ever been. It wasn't like that back when I was, when I was your age. No, no, no. The, it's, we've always been this way. Because we see this back in even Jesus' time. In verse 31, furthermore, it was said, whoever divorces his wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce. But I say to you that whoever divorces his wife for any reason except sexual immorality causes her to commit adultery. And whoever marries a woman who is divorced commits adultery. 
Jesus is referring to this. In Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy chapter 24, verse 1, we see that Moses had established a, certif- a certificate of divorce that if a spouse was found unclean, if a spouse was found unclean, this meant sexual immorality, the man may divorce her. But, 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 but the Jews had taken this word unclean to mean anything, like her cooking. Not even joking. This, this was a legitimate reason back then, if you look at history, a legitimate reason for men giving them a certificate of divorce was that I don't like your cooking. Yeah. Uncleanliness could mean anything. It was meant to mean sexual immorality, but it could mean anything in, in the way they interpreted it. The love was just as shallow back then. The love was just as shallow. Our love is so shallow because we have defined love based on what can you do for me. We've, we've, we've tricked ourselves into thinking that love is about us. It's not about us. If love was about us, where would we be in relation to Jesus? I mean... What if God had that kind of love towards us? You ever think about that? What if God's love was like our love? Do you know what? I love them in the beginning. They seem so genuine. But do you know what? I think we've fallen out of love. No more heaven. Have you ever thought about if God's love was the same as our type of love? Do you know what? They're not listening to me. I'm going to give them the silent treatment. They're sleeping on the couch tonight. Right? And just, and God just leaves us alone. You ever, you ever think about if, if God's love was like our love? Do you know what? We had so much in common in the beginning. It was so great. But do you know what? They kind of annoy me now. Do you, ah, just, I'm, it's, it's not you, it's me. What if God said that? It's not you, it's me. I've just, I've changed. What if God's love was like that? What if God's love was like our love? So shallow. But God's love isn't like that, guys. Oh my gosh, is God faithful. I don't want to talk about marriage. I want to talk about Jesus really quick. Because we, we see in Joshua chapter 3 through 4, the entire chapter, what happens is the, the people need to cross the Jordan. God's people need to cross the Jordan. It's this huge, uh, huge sea that they, they can't cross by themselves. And God says, do you know what? I'm going to get you across that river. I'm going to get you there. I prompt you take me at my word. I will get you across that river. I will get you through that trial. I will get you through that valley that you're going through in your marriage. I will get you through that relationship that you think is, is dying. I will get you through school. Amen? I will get you through that. I promise you. I will get you through that. I will get you through your identity issues. I will get you through your insecurities. I promise. I will get you through that. And so so God is saying right here, I will get you through the Jordan. I will get you through. You take my Ark of the Covenant. You take my covenant. Covenant, the sign of the promise. This is my covenant. Take and drink of it. You take my promise. You take my promise, and they, they actually had the Ark of the Covenant. It was an actual thing that where, where God's presence dwelt, symbolizing all of God's promises. 
And he says, I promise you I will get you through the Jordan. They took the Ark of the Covenant and they started walking through the Jordan and the seas parted. And they walked all the way through. All of the people of Israel walked right through. And then God said, I want each person in every tribe, I want all the leaders of the tribes to gather a stone and build a memorial as a symbol of my faithfulness that I will get you through. We see in John 10, 28 through 29, and I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. My father who has given them to me is greater than all and no one is able to snatch them out of my father's hand. I and my father are one. Jesus is saying this, I have you. My love will never change for you. You are mine. No one ever will snatch you out of my hand. That is a guarantee. That is a promise. God says, I have you. I love you. I've made a promise to you. Nobody takes you from me. That's how relentless God's love is for us. We see in also in Hosea chapter 1 and Hosea chapter 3, how Hosea as a symbol of God and us marries a prostitute. Hosea marries a prostitute named Gomer. And Gomer cheats on him, lies to him, has children with other men, and eventually gets herself stuck into slavery. And then Hosea looks at her and her sin, her dirtiness. Hosea, Hosea is always, he, he just continually loves her and, and she keeps cheating and lying and stealing from him. And Hosea does this to Gomer. He goes, God says, go love the woman who has been loved by a lover. Go love the woman who has given herself to somebody else. So Hosea went. And he bought her back from slavery. That is a symbol of what Jesus has done for us. Jesus has said, you are my bride. You are my church. You are mine. I love you. You will sell yourself to other people. You will give yourself to other idols. You will give yourself to these pleasures that are fleeting. But I, my promises always stay the same. I don't break my promises like you do. I don't commit adultery like you do. I don't divorce like you do. I don't swear falsely like you do. I keep my promises. That's what God says. I keep my promises even though you don't. And so God, just like Hosea, bought us back. And so we see a common theme in Christ's definition of love. Forget about your own definition of love for a second. Love is just having that special connection with someone. Forget about, forget about that for a second. Think about Christ's definition of love. Faithfulness. Faithfulness. We see in 1 Corinthians 13, verses 4 through 8, love is faithful and kind. Love does not envy, does not parade itself, is not puffed up, does not behave rudely, does not seek its own. It's not provoked, thinks no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. Bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. This isn't our love, is it? Our love fails. All the time. Our love isn't always faithful. 
not always kind. If our love was like God's love, you would never hear these words out of somebody. If you really loved me, you would do this for me. You would never hear those words if that's what, if, if they were displaying God's love. If, really, if you really loved me. Some of you young women know exactly what I'm talking about. Some of you older women know exactly what I'm talking about because you've experienced it. You see, here Jesus says again, again, you have heard that it is said to those of old, you shall not swear falsely, but shall perform your oaths to the Lord. But I say to you, do not swear at all, neither by heaven, for it is God's throne, nor by the earth, for it is his footstool, nor by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. Nor shall you swear by your head, because you cannot make one hair white or black. But let your yes be yes, and your no be no. For whatever is more than these is from the evil one. Let your yes be yes, and your no be no. Let your yes be yes, and your no be no. I swear by the moon and the stars in the sky that my love burns bright for you. I swear. I s- yeah, right? I swear by the Bible that I'd never do that. You ever heard that? I swear to God I would never do that. I swear to God. I swear by my mother's grave. You guys ever heard that one? I swear by my mother's grave I would never do that. You see, I want to let you know something about promises and about real love. That if if swearing based on credibility and faithfulness of something else, what good is your promise if you swear by that? I'm going I'm I'm to rephrase that. If you were swearing or making a promise based on the faithfulness of something else other than yourself, where's your credibility? I swear to God that I will never do that again. Whoa, 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 whoa. But what if you do it again? then is God not credible? Right? Like, this is, you know, that's, that's blasphemy right there. I mean, that's, that's hardcore. That's like me. If God, God help, like, you know, if God tarries, if I'm standing at the altar with a beautiful young woman, that'd be like me saying my oaths, saying, I swear by my mother and father's marriage, that I will love you forever. Where's that credibility? I mean, what if Pastor, Pastor Rob and Michelle? I swear by Pastor Rob and Michelle's marriage that I will always love you. That means that my love is dependent on their love for one another. Right? Don't swear by anything. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. Jesus is saying, don't swear based on something else's ability to keep its promise. You keep your promises. And let your yes be yes and your no be no. Let your conduct be the weight of your words. Let your conduct be the weight of your words, meaning this. You just say yes. And then you do it. You don't don't swear by anything. You don't put any any, uh, other things on top of that promise. You just say yes or no. Your promises are kept by your will and by God's strength. 
That's how your promises are kept. God measures his love based on his ability to keep the promises that he's made to you. You guys know that? He holds his word above his name. He holds his word above his name. He holds the promises that he has made to you above his own name. So shall we hold the promises that we make and the commitments that we make above our own reputation. You know, if we look in Scripture, you'll find out that God has been faithful to complete everything he said he would do. He has always kept his promises. He's always been faithful. He's never divorced us. He's never left us. 2 Corinthians 1, 20 through 22. I'm almost done. For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. And so through him, the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. Now it is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. He anointed us, set a seal of ownership on us, and put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. Your love for someone is measured by your ability to keep the promises that you've made to them. And God's love is manifested through his kept promises through Christ. You ever doubt God's love for you? Look back to the cross. Look at how he has completed everything he said he would do. And he has bought you and he has sealed you with his Holy Spirit. His guarantee of your inheritance. Always look to the gospel if you're ever doubting God's love for you. Remember the cross and remember that promise that he has made to you and what you cost to him. So we see that love is not a feeling based on anyone else's merit. Husbands and wives, identify with me. Are you always giddy about your husband or your wife? Are you always in a continual, they never annoy me? <laughs> All the men are like, I have to say yes. <laughs> you're, not, you're not always in this, ah, a whole new world, right? You're never, you're never in this like flying moment of love with your spouse. There are times when they just annoy you, Right? Amen. Thank you. Don't leave me up here alone. It's lonely up here. Love is not based on the merit of other people. You just love. You just keep your promises. And they'll keep theirs. <laughs> that's, that's, that's what's great. Just keep your promises. Love is an action. It's a continual decision to care for someone. That's love. I'm deciding today to love you. That's love. God, every day, I am deciding to love you. I love you because I love you, is what he says. I love you because I love you. And so, to get just real practical real quick, I want to talk to you single ladies. Oh, the single ladies. I knew that was coming. Single ladies, next time a man tells you that he loves you, tell him to prove it. Yeah, I said it. Wives, 
Next time your husband tells you that he loves you, prove it. Next time a man tells you that he loves you, if a man ever tells you that he loves you, those of you who are not married, you tell him to prove it by honoring your purity, your integrity. Prove it. Prove that you love me. Stand up for me. Love God and then love me. Don't ever let a man love you if he does not first love God. How is he supposed to keep your integrity and your purity if he cannot even keep his own yet? Next time a man tells you that he loves you, tell him to prove it by being a man that stands up for what's right, that stands up for the things of the Lord, and to put a ring on it. Amen? Jeez. Preach it. And, and one other thing. Don't just settle. I want you, young ladies, just know this. You are worth the blood of Christ. Jesus saw you fit to die for. So a man that loves you should see fit to die to himself. It is better, and for, for married ladies and single ladies, it is better to be deeply loved than to be deeply in love. It is better to be deeply loved than to be deeply in love. It is better for a man to say, I will do whatever it takes to make sure that you feel loved than for you to have this giddy feeling, oh, he's so cute. It is better to be deeply loved than to be deeply in loved. There's more certainty in the promise than there is in the feeling of love. If a guy tells you he loves you, why? I just feel like I love you. Well, there's no certainty in that. Where's the certainty in a man's emotions, right? There's no certainty in a man's emotions, but his promises and his word, you make sure you hold him to that. Hold your husbands to his word. Married ladies, your man promises you a date. If he promises you a date night, you're getting a date night. Amen? If your man promises you, if he promises you a date night, you're getting your date night. If your man promises you a foot rub, you get a foot rub. Amen? Hold your man to his promises. If he promises you something, hold him to it. And then for you single men in here, stay strong. you find a beautiful woman of God, if you find a beautiful woman of God, know that Christ died for his bride, so be prepared to die for yours. For you single guys that are hoping to get married, don't start dating until you're ready to say, I do, until you're ready to pay the price. Don't get married until you're ready to until you feel like you can keep a promise that lasts a lifetime. Do you know where my, my first girlfriend was in ninth grade or eighth grade? Do you know where she is now? I don't either. 
That's what I told my junior hires. Like, you're dating? <laughs> you can't keep a pro- <laughs> You can't even do your homework. <laughs> like, <laughs> dude, you shower like once a week. <laughs> you're ready to make a lifelong commitment? No. So single men, be prepared. And you know what? It's okay if you're not prepared. Just be prepared to lay down your life. And, and for you married men, make promises to your wife and keep them. Do all in your power to keep them. Tell her that you love her and then show her to the best of your ability. Show the love of Christ by keeping your promises. It's all about the love of Christ because no worldly ecstasy will ever come close to the satisfaction of a promise that is continually kept. No worldly pleasure, no other pleasure, every other pleasure is but a shadow compared to the unrelenting love of Christ. Every other love is just a small portion of the ultimate satisfaction that comes by being loved by Jesus. Don't settle for anything less. What makes Christ's love so amazing is is that it's saturated in the faithfulness of God. And it's an unquenchable love. It's a love that never ends. It never fails. It goes on for all of eternity. In Psalm 40, I love what David says in verse 10. I have not hidden your righteousness within my heart. I have declared your faithfulness and your salvation. And I'll have the worship team come up now. He, he says this. I have not concealed your loving kindness and your truth from the great assembly. Do not withhold your tender mercies from me, O Lord. Let your loving kindness and your truth continually preserve me. You guys hear that last part? Let your loving kindness and your truth continually preserve me. I understand that marriage and divorce and and faithfulness, that that can be really touchy. When we talk about love, like we just, we all have our own opinions and our own emotions about what love looks like. What love can be better than Christ's? A love that says, no matter what you do, I love you. No matter how dirty you look, I'm going to love you. And, and, And what the psalmist says right here, let your loving kindness and your truth continually preserve me. I'm going to say it one more time. Let your loving kindness and your truth continually preserve me. Meaning this, do you, are you having love problems? Are, are you having issues with pride? Or, or are you having issues with somebody who, who, who really isn't reciprocating love? Or, or you, you feel unloved, you feel unwanted, you feel unworthy of love? Do what David did where he says, your, your loving kindness continually preserves me. Wrap yourself around in God's love. Just let it preserve you. Let it preserve your integrity. Let it preserve your purity. Let let, let God's love just wrap around you and embrace you. Let, Let God's love just change you.
change that perspective because there's some of you still in here. You're like, I don't think that's what love is because I'm, I'm, I'm in love right now, I promise. Let God love you first. Let, let, let God love you. And you'll really find out what love means. Amen. And if any of you want to pray with me tonight to receive that love that Christ has, you have that opportunity. So if you'll all bow your heads with me. Lord, God, I'm, I'm, I'm always trying to love in my own way, God. And I just pray that you would love me. I embrace you tonight, God. and Just love me. Teach me how to love. Teach me how to keep my word. For those of you in here that want to receive that love for the first time or want to make that commitment again, Say this prayer with me. Jesus, please love me. I recognize that you paid the ultimate price for me because you saw me worth it. Thank you for dying for me. I believe that you died for me. I believe that you rose again so you can be with me. And I believe you're coming back from me. Love me, Lord, and help me love. And if you've said that prayer for the first time tonight, I want you to raise your hand. Or if you've said your prayer for the second time, amen. Lord, we love you. We praise you. And we worship you tonight, Lord. I I love how David says right here, he says, I have not hidden your righteousness within my heart. I have declared your faithfulness and your salvation. I have not concealed your loving kindness and your truth from the great assembly. I pray that the people here tonight would not hide their passion for you. They would not hide their love for you, God, but they would come before the assembly and praise and lift their hands and lift their voices and bow their heads in reverence towards you, and in just in awe of the love that you have for us. We love you, and it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. There'll be people back there for prayer if you need it. I know that this is touchy, and some of you are maybe hurting right now, or you're feeling insecure, or you have questions. We're back there for prayer. But let's worship tonight being wrapped around in God's love. Amen? Amen.